Well, let's uh, open up your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 1. We're, we're going to be in John, chapter 1. Well, we, we are still in Exodus, uh, but I want you to open your Bible. Just follow instructions. That's all you've got to do. Just don't worry. Just follow instructions. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to summarize today. Today's kind of a topical message. We're going to summarize chapters 25 through 40 of Exodus. And we're going to go and study those verse by verse over the next however many weeks that's going to take. Okay, but we need an overview, and so that's what today is going to be. So today's sermon is called Meet Mr. Tabernacle. Meet Mr. Tabernacle. And there's reasons why it's called that, because um, I want you to think of the tabernacle as a person, and we'll get into why in just a little bit. But let's um, pray. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 14 is what we're going to read first after we do a little activity. So, Jesus, we ask that you would speak to us through your word and, and give us all that we need uh, to feast our souls upon your goodness and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So you guys all have a, a piece of paper, right? The announcements, so flip on, there should be blank on the back of your announcements, and I want you to draw a picture, draw a picture, and you're going to draw a picture of yourself, but you're not allowed to use any words, and you're not allowed to make it look like a person. You need to, this needs to be images and, um, you know, things that represent you. So, you have four minutes and 14 seconds right now. Go. Draw a picture of you. No words. If you need paper, I got paper right here. There should be pens in your seats. White flag pens. Draw a picture of you. With There's pens right there. No words. No, no like faces. We're not, I don't want to know about your face. I want to know about who you really are. Anyone need paper? You can show them to each other and laugh at them. And... What? Draw cookies? That's you? You're drawing a picture of yourself using only images. Not like, a, I don't want to see your face and no words. Don't write love or punny or... Draw, what, what is you? Maybe, maybe for you, it's things you love, like cookies. Maybe it's your nickname. Maybe your nickname is truck, so you draw a big truck or something. I'm just coming up with weird examples. That was really fast. You did that? Two minutes left. Come on. Let's see the art. I want to see the artistically gifted people here. Yeah, where's Russ? I'm exempt. 
All right, 30 seconds. Don't you love being timed? All right, who, who feels confident enough to, to share theirs? I'm not going to make fun of it. I just, who wants to voluntarily share their picture? All right, I'll come. I'll come. You got nothing? All right. You got nothing. All right. Very empty. Okay. I want to, I'll, I'll get it. Here, let me see yours. I'm just going to steal it. I might give it back. I might not. All right. I'll take yours. I'll take, okay. Okay. Was that Tabor's? Oh, that's yours? <laughs> All right. Good art. Good art. Anyone? You, do you want to share yours? No? You want to share? Anyone else? All right. Yours? All right. All right. All right. So, what did we get here? What did we get? We got this big one. So, this, this one has bacon. <laughs> Yes. There's a Gentile for sure back there. All right. And something else. Okay. That was good. Okay. This one's got um, some barbells and, and a guitar and some people with some little people and a, a piano and a heart and a piece of pizza. Is that a piece of pizza? <laughs> Is it cheese? Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought it was pizza. All right. So, so if I was saying that, I would say that you like... Um, music and little people and lifting weights and eating cheese. Midgets, not kids, just little people. Okay. Am I supposed to say that out loud? Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. This one's got a, a son, so maybe that person's a happy person, and, and a dog, so maybe they like peeing outside. The stars, just kidding. Two hearts. We got a hot, we got a pepper, a hot pepper down there. So this person has an attitude, maybe, and a, and a, a ghost wing thing. So, is it fire? Okay, I don't know. I'm just reading your signs here. This is me interpreting your images. All right, this one is a bicycle and a house with a bunch of people in it. It's it's in yellow, which was. A bad decision. <laughs> All right, this one's a, a hand with another hand and four little baby hearts. I don't know. So that one speaks to me. It speaks of a strange size hands. I don't know. Helping hands. Okay. Good job. Okay. This one is, okay, so this one, this person, there's a sun and a tree on one side, and, a, and it's built on a, on a lake, and there's a cloud with some weird symbols and some rain in the middle of the lake and grass, and I'm not sure what it's trying to tell me, but it looks good. It's, it's more put together than most. Okay, maybe nature. This one's got a, a sun and a cross and some music notes, and bacon, and waves, and wind. So this person really likes elements, and music, and bacon, and Jesus. All right. 
we got a we got a flower here. That person's a very careful <laughs> flower drawer. It's very accurate and very pretty. So they are a beautiful person. Whoever drew that, I don't know. There's a book and a, a snake with a smiley face. Bookworm. That's good. That's good. I would have had to think about that a little bit, but I like that one. That was good. All right, we got a crown, a flower, um, a bunch of arrows pointing up, and a church and a heart. So, crown. She's the queen of hippies, going up. I'm just coming up with, and then this one's got a cross and a pizza and a video game thing and. Looks like poker cards and and a, a rabbit. Okay. So the reason why we did that is so that you guys get an idea of how difficult it is to explain who you are without using words and without having a picture, but just through images. How difficult it is to to do that, right? It wasn't easy, and I I didn't know who gave me these papers, and so it was quite challenging for me to look at that and try to decide who they were. I think one of them I knew was Raquel, but that was about the only one, the big bacon one. Just kidding. I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. I'm just joking. But it's difficult. And what we're going to learn today is that the tabernacle, what we're going to be studying through chapters 25 through 40 of Exodus, is a big lesson in images that are images of Jesus. The entire thing. <clears throat> It is going to blow your mind. All that we are going to learn during the next few weeks as we study the tabernacle. So again, that word tabernacle. Does anyone remember for extra Jesus points what the Hebrew word for tabernacle was? Was that a sneeze? <laughs> kind of close. Mishken, Mishken. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but Mishken was the word for tabernacle, which means dwelling place. Did you know that the more space in the Bible is devoted to explaining and describing the tabernacle than almost any other single subject or single thing? In fact, it only took two chapters for God to explain how we made the entire universe and the world ha habitable for men. But it takes ten chapters to explain and to properly show the wonders of the tabernacle, how God would dwell with men. Gets ten chapters in the Bible. This is going to be a place where God is pleased to dwell with His people. So why is God so concerned about this tabernacle? Well, because it's going to be a multi-leveled, multi-layered image of the person and work of Jesus. And that's that's why we're going to spend time studying it, is because it's really just studying Jesus, it, and we'll get into more of that. Many people never specifically even study these chapters, yet the Holy Spirit specifically teaches us in the New Testament that the way Jesus, the ways of Jesus and Jesus how he works really can't even be understood without carefully understanding these chapters in the Book of Exodus. But the hardest part for us over the next few weeks is going to be this: How do we organize so many different pictures 
and types that the tabernacle is going to teach us. That is going to be our biggest challenge. How do I keep it straight? And so we're going to go through and we're going to look at each one. We're going to highlight each one. We're going to look to Jesus each time. But the real key is that if you're, if you're connecting this tabernacle, whatever we're going to study about the tabernacle, if you're connecting it to Jesus, you're getting it right. You are going to be understanding. Isn't that simple? Like God's word is just very simple for us sometimes. Jesus says, everything that was written in the Old Testament was about me. Oh, I thought it was about me. That's so great. I thought I had to find something interesting about this tabernacle. Oh, I don't? This is all about you? Well, that's very interesting. I can actually engage with that and learn more about that. So we're going to learn three. I'm going to tell you three basic things that we are going to um, see that the tabernacle tabernacle is going to represent for us as the children of God. The first thing that we're going to see is that it's the place uh, called heaven where God dwells. And uh, we see that specifically laid out for us in Hebrews chapter 9, that the tabernacle is a copy of how things look in heaven. And uh, right now in heaven, Jesus is there. And if you were to see it, you'd be like, oh, kind of reminds me of the tabernacle. And that's true. Uh, So we'll see some of those uh, things. The second level of association that we're going to see is that it speaks of Jesus personally and how he was the meeting place of God and man. How he was the place where there could be conversations, where there could be love, where there could be anything that you would do in communion. And that's going to be a very important thing that um, Jesus was on earth as a man and he did that so that God could meet with his people. The Jews did not come up with this idea of a tabernacle. Okay? God gave it to them. God prepared this whole idea. We're going to see Moses is going to go up on the mountain right now in chapter 25, and he's going to stay up there all the way till chapter 40, uh, 32. And as he is up there, God's going to give him the design for the tabernacle. Okay? Jesus. This all foreshadows Jesus because Jesus says um, when he came to live as a man, it says in Isaiah that uh, Hebrews chapter 10, a body you have prepared for me. The tabernacle is going to represent the body of Jesus. His very, all of him in his time here on earth. Okay. It doesn't represent Jesus when he goes up into heaven. That's actually the temple. We'll see that in a little bit. But the tabernacle represents his earthly tent, the time when Jesus was here on the earth. Okay, so the meeting place, the tent, that's Jesus. The third level that we're going to study, I know this is deep, but we're going to go there, is we're going to see it's Jesus in the church and how he communes with the church today. How God and his people will meet. And we see this even all the way at the end in the book of Revelation. It says, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell, and that word is tabernacle, with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And so the tabernacle, the real tabernacle in the past is going to be a picture for us of what dwelling with God looks like for now 
and for all of eternity. So it's vitally important that we understand it. And like I said, the key to understanding the tabernacle is always going to be Jesus. His person, like who he was, it's going to be some sort of character trait of Jesus, or his work. And all the different parts of the tabernacle and all the different things that God tells them to do are going to be different aspects of Jesus' character and his ministry. Don't think that these chapters were a waste of paper. Why would God waste our time? He doesn't. These are very important. And these are not just Jewish history. Oh yeah, I, I have the New Testament. I don't need to study. No, these are very important images for us. In fact, every Christian should know the tabernacle by heart. They really should. Hey, did we get that video plugged in? We're ready to go? Okay, so we're going to watch a, a video real quick, and it doesn't need the sound, just as long as it's, it's on there. So every Christian should know the tabernacle by heart because it is going to be for us an image of Jesus. So this is a, a model that someone built in California. You can see there's like houses and stuff in the back. So it's not the real tabernacle because they didn't have video cameras back then. But take a, to go and push play, and, and we'll just kind of go through it. So you can see there, there's an outer court there, and, uh, and you can see the size kind of of it. Got some nice drone footage here. Um, we got the outer gate, which is going to be very important. We're going to study a lot about that, even the colors that are involved with it and stuff like that. And then you get here, and this is called the outer court. And uh, people could go in this section, Okay. And so right there is the altar, the, the, the bronze altar of sacrifice. And this is where they would take, you know, uh, oxen or those two. We're going to kill those guys here in just a second. Don't get attached. No, I'm kidding. They're not. Um, but there's the, some certain uh, utensils that we're going to use, and then we're going to kill the lamb and their blood, and they're going to burn those sacrifices right there. And that's going to teach us a lot of lessons. They're going to put blood of those sacrifices on the horns of the altar. We'll learn all about that stuff. Here's this outer courtyard again where people could come and, and kind of be close to God. God wasn't in that outer port, but he's, they're close to him. This is a, a laver where you would wash. They would wash their hands. They would wash different things. Not very thoroughly, but they would wash their hands there. And then, uh, then you go into the, the tent right here. So, you go in, and you see, you see three different things right here. You see the walls of gold, and on the left side right there, you have the menorah, which provides light inside, and that menorah was made of uh, oil, and so they had to fill that menorah with oil, and that's going to represent a whole lot of stuff about Jesus. And then uh, uh, you can see the little utensils there. It's pretty cool. Anyone got a menorah at home? Represent. Way to go. All right, and then you have on the right side, you have the table of showbread. And of course, that is going to teach us a lot about Jesus and his life and ministry as well. They have a little salt even right there, which is pretty smart because that's part of it. Um, looks yummy, kind of hungry. It's supposed to actually make you hungry. Then you have the altar of incense right here, and that's right up in the front. Um, and of course, it would be burning incense all the time. And the priest's job was to service all these things. There, there was a lot of work to be done. So the priest would come in, and the priest would do the bread, and the priest would make sure the light, and then they would have the altar. 
And uh, that all speaks of the ministry of Jesus. Then we go into the Holy of Holies. And this was a place that only one time a year one priest could go in, but God's presence would be glowing above the Ark of the Covenant right there, between the two cherub or angels right there. And they would sprinkle blood on the top right there. That top is called the mercy seat. And inside that Ark of the Covenant would be the Ten Commandments, a fresh copy after Moses broke them. You got Aaron's uh, rod that had budded and a, and a jar of manna. And all of these things represent Jesus, every single one of them. Very important for us. So we're going to be looking at the different parts of that uh, as time goes by. Thank you very much. So you guys have your Bibles open to John chapter 1 for a very important reason. We're going to read this verse um, God always teaches with pictures before he teaches with words. You guys just brought Owen in today. Owen is a very little baby, right? You're not trying to, you're not expecting him to know English right now, right? You may, as time grows, you're going to start to introduce pictures that are going to help him start to grow and understand truths that these pictures represent, okay? And If you think about it, God's people of Israel have been a nation for like five days. They literally were nothing before that. They were just slaves in a foreign land. And so God has this spiritually newborn group of people. And so he gives them the tabernacle to help them with pictures and images understand their Savior, Jesus And it is so exciting when you see it that way. So when we get to John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that word dwelt is the word tabernacled. Isn't that amazing? He tabernacled. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, If the tabernacle is a 10-chapter description of Jesus, then that means it's going to be full of descriptions of God's grace and God's truth. And I am so excited to just dive in to the riches we're going to find in God's grace and God's truth. We all desire to know God's truth, and this is going to help us with that. But we really desire to experience His grace. And that is something that the tabernacle is going to really assist us with, is to understand God's provision for you, God's love for you, and how God takes care of you when you don't deserve it, when you don't even feel like you need it. He is there for you. So how should we approach a study of the tabernacle? And uh, that would be very simply with humility, understanding that we need help. And with faith, believing that Jesus is that help for us. So if we come with a humble and teachable heart, Jesus is going to show us things through this tabernacle on all these studies that are going to just transform us from the inside. We're going to be blessed. This, is, this tabernacle is a, I don't want you to think of it as like a, a painting that you just think, oh, that's nice. But it's a relationship building tool. Do you guys ever feel like your relationship with God gets kind of stagnant? We're going to put the tabernacle in your pocket, in your toolbox, and the tabernacle is going to become for you a relationship 
building tool where you are going to learn how to pray through the tabernacle. As you have it memorized, you're going to see that each one of these parts are going to help you. You ever just like, what do I pray for now? I, I don't really know. But praying through the tabernacle can be one of these extremely helpful um, uh, tools to, to assist us. So I'm going to ask you a question. How is your relationship with God? Don't say it out loud. But answer in your heart and in your mind, how is your relationship with God? Did you answer that with thoughts of outward performance? Things that you're doing? Well, I haven't been doing that, so my relationship with God must be this. Or I have been doing this, so my relationship with God obviously isn't that. Okay? Did you answer it with a focus on anything out external, any behavior? Or do you truly judge your own relationship with God based on inward realities like humility, well, I know I need him, and faith, I, I really depend on him. Those are inward realities that are much different. And as opposed to outward performance, or even, even what we think inward performance looks like, inward realities, are the, that's the way that God works through Jesus. Your relationship with God is always an inward reality first. And that's what we see. Actually, as we study the tabernacle, we're going to see chapter 25 through chapter 31 is going to be Moses going up on the mountain and receiving the information, the design from God of the tabernacle. And we're going to see that that design is God's perspective of ministry and the work of Jesus. It starts, guess where? Where do you think it starts, the design God gives? In the Holy of Holies, in the heart in the most inner place. And he, he goes from the Ark of the Covenant and he goes outward and outward and outward and outward. And the last thing God gives them instruction for is the outer court. Okay? Then we have chapters 32 and 33, which are going to be people's rebellion. That'll be fun. And then we get to chapter thir- uh, 34 through 40, which is the actual construction of the tabernacle, man's perspective on how it gets done, and guess what the order is then? It's reversed. So from man's perspective, they start building it with the outer court, and then they work more in, more in, more in, more in, almost like they were afraid of of the, the last part. They were afraid of the most intimate part where God's glory and God's presence would be. And that's just so amazing that that's how God works. He starts on the heart before he ever works on outward appearances. He always, that's how grace works. Instead of telling us you should change and be a better person, change your behavior, God never does that. He says, stop worrying about it and come to me and I'm going to write my law on your heart. I'm going to write who I am on your heart, and I'm going to transform the heart, and the outward comes slowly, 
but the transformation is thorough and it's real. And that's how God does things, as opposed to the way we do things, which is we say, you want to go to church? You better stop smoking, you better stop cussing, and you better stop doing all the other things that are wrong, and then God will be happy with you. Then you'll see God work. And that just is not the way that it works. So how does this section end? I'm going to read to you Exodus chapter 40, verse 34. At the very end of the book of Exodus, I want you to see that it gets, it gets to this point. Verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The glory of the Lord actually filled the tabernacle. Now, I want you to remember that this tent, this tabernacle, is not fancy. It's made of animal skins, and and there's some gold in it and stuff, but it is not a fancy thing. But yet it was filled with the glory of God. Just like Jesus was not a fancy person, but everyone who met him had one thing to say, he was filled with the glory of God. In our text in John, it said he was filled with grace and truth. In Isaiah 53, it says um, he had no form or beauty or comeliness, and when, that when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. Jesus was this tabernacle in his earthly body. He didn't have a beautiful complexion. He wasn't the, the star actor that had just, you know, everyone's like, oh, that's Jesus. No, he was probably a dorky looking guy, and that's fine. It's cool. But he was filled. He was filled with grace and truth. He was filled, full of it. And that gives me a lot of hope and joy because I am a mess on the outside. And I am not the greatest physique and the greatest temple, and my behavior certainly isn't. But yet, I can be filled with the same thing Jesus was filled with. Because you know the next verse in John chapter 1? What does it say? And of, or two verses down, verse 16, and of his fullness, we have all received grace for grace. Or grace upon grace. Jesus was full. Even though his outward was just a tent, he, did, he, he was full of this, and that is where my fullness comes from. My filling comes from what he's filled with. So we see the tabernacle, by the end of the construction of it, it was filled with the spirit, the presence, the glory of God. And we're going to see that that's going to be a picture of Jesus' fullness and what we get as children of God. As the bride of Christ, we get that same fullness. The tabernacle stands as one of the most perfect and long-standing images of Christ that this world has ever known. God knows how his immature people needed to know Jesus, but the, their language of their minds couldn't even contain the words that it would take to explain Jesus to them. And so God, in his love, gives them this tabernacle to show the Savior who would tabernacle with them, who would dwell with them and live with them. This is God's plan. 
and it's beautiful. It's really awesome. So I'm going to just give you 10 quick things that are going to, we're going to touch on them later, but I'm just going to touch on them of ways that the tabernacle represents Christ and, and teaches us about Christ. Okay? So number one, it was a temporary structure. In fact, if you learn about the tabernacle, as we are going to, you're going to see that they only use the tabernacle for less than 35 years. Huh. That's interesting, right? How long did Jesus live? 33 years, right? So it was temporary, just like Jesus' time in his body was temporary because the tabernacle is going to represent the first coming of Christ. The second coming of Christ and all that Christ is accomplishing now is represented by the temple that's going to be built by Solomon. We'll see that later. Number two, it's used in the wilderness. Okay, the tabernacle was designed to be used in the desert, in the wilderness. It, it, just like Jesus grew up in the wilderness and he had no place to lay his head and all of his ministry was done, he had to stay outside in the wilderness. That's another connection that we're going to make. Number three, it was not fancy. Unlike the Temple of Solomon, which was very fancy, Jesus in his glory in the future, very fancy, but Jesus on earth, not so fancy. Number four, God hung out there. God hung out there. They called it the Shekinah glory of God. And it stayed between those angels, the cherubs, in the, above the mercy seat in what was called the most holy place, deep inside where not everybody could see it, but God wanted to be with his people, near his people. And God's, God dwelt there. He stayed there. He didn't leave, even though his people were dumb. And even though his people failed, he would abide there and he made provision for their failure. He made provision for their mistakes. He wanted closeness. And we see also that Jesus was filled with the Spirit and the glory of God on the inside. God dwelt with Jesus on the inside. Number five, man would meet with God there. And isn't Jesus the place where we go and commune with God. His life, his work, and his, who he is, is where we find that we can actually meet with God. There is no other place. There's no other name. There's no other person that can provide us with a, an opportunity to meet with God. Number six, the law, the Ten Commandments, the book of the law, were all kept safe inside the ark. They were kept there. Jesus kept the law in his heart. Remember in Matthew 5 when, and 6 and 7 when he's like, you guys don't know what the law is. He says, you've heard it said, don't murder people, but I tell you, it's about the heart. Do you, even, do you hate people? And that's where Jesus kept the law. The outside wasn't even a problem. The inside, Jesus also kept the law. It was written on his heart. He, he said he did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. It was kept in his heart. Number seven, sacrifice was made there. And of course, that represents and speaks of Jesus. 
Sin was forgiven by the blood that was spilt there. We're going to see that. Number eight, it was a place of worship. God was the center of attention of everything that happened in the tabernacle. God was the center. He was glorified by everything um, that is done there. Just like in Jesus' life, he's glorified by everything Jesus does. Number nine, there was only one door. There was only one door. So as people had to go in and out through that one door and there was no way in, on, you can't sneak in, same is true with Jesus. He is the door. We'll study that. Number 10, the tabernacle was approached through the tribe of Judah. So as we learn about how the tribes were to arrange themselves around the tabernacle, there would be three this way, or three this way, three this way, three this way, and three this way. We find that the door on the east, so what's east for us? There. The door on the east, the door was on the east, okay, always, they always set up the tabernacle the same way, pointing east. And the tribe that was right there that everyone had to walk through to get there was Judah. And why do you think that was? Because Jesus came through the tribe of Judah, right? A perfect clue to the identity and the prophecies of the line of the Messiah. All these things, everything we read about the tabernacle is not a waste of time. But it points to the beautiful person of Jesus and all that he is for us. So again, let's read our verse again in John chapter 1, verse 14. The word became flesh. These words we're going to read in Exodus 25 through 40 became flesh. The word became flesh. I love that. And dwelt among us, tabernacled with us is the actual word. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The tabernacle is this attractive and, but yet primitive image of Jesus. It's amazing that the God of all glory would be pleased to spend over, a little over 30 years in this dusty tent back then. But that's exactly also what happened with Jesus. The God of all glory clothed himself with humanity, this dusty tent. But he was still filled with grace and truth. And all of this stuff about the tabernacle is all for you. Every bit of it is for your joy, your ability to rejoice and be able to praise God. And when we sing songs and when we, when we bow your head just in silence, where, how, whatever worship looks like for you, to be able to do that with joy and sincerity, this tabernacle is there for you. Jesus will make that happen for you. It's all written for you so that you could have confidence in the person and work of Jesus. When you start to doubt his faithfulness, a part of the tabernacle is going to minister to you and it's going to give you reason to have confidence in Christ. Isn't that cool? We need confidence in Christ. It's, it's written for you so that you can be equipped to grow in his grace as you humbly depend on his ministry as a high priest. See, we're going to learn about all these priestly duties that they're going to do. And there's going to be a direct parallel between all that the priests do 
and all that Jesus does for you. It's going to be great. So I wanted to end by just saying the tabernacle is for you, but I hope we have eyes to see it and humble hearts that can come. So I'm going to end with a, a, a quote from a rapper named Shailen. I love this guy. He's a good rapper. If you're into rap, I know, Bev, you're, you're super into rap, so this is for you. At the end of his first uh, song on his Attributes of God album, um, it says this, Therefore, sanctify our worldly minds. Your complexion is unappealing to lustful eyes. Besides, apart from new birth in Christ, sinners beholding your beauty would die. Therefore, beauty residing in the eye of the beholder is a lie. It is found in the beautiful one, the Most High. And for me, as I was listening to that on the plane from Memphis, I just started crying because I, wa- I, I see Jesus as beautiful right now. It is being revealed to me. God is opening my heart and, and is stretching and is painful, but he's opening my heart so that I can see the beauty of Jesus more and more. And I am so excited to just have friends that do the same thing. You guys with me? You guys think Jesus is beautiful? All right, then the tabernacle is going to be for you. And sharing his body and blood is what we do together to rejoice and remember all that Christ has done. So let's go ahead and and, uh, worship team is going to come up and sing sing another song. During this song, everyone stand up for me. Uh, During the song, we got communion. um, And this is how we take all that we've learned today. We just engage with it. We just say, Jesus, I do believe. And I I see some glimpses of your glory, but I want to see it all. I want the fullness to be poured in my heart. And it'll sound like that, probably. Just kidding. (laughs) I want the fullness. And so come with that passion saying, I want it, God. Father, give it to me. He doesn't give it to people who deserve it. He gives it to the people who admit that they need it and who want it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And they will be filled, right? Not our righteousness. That's not what we hunger. I I hunger and thirst for his beautiful righteousness. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your mercy and your grace. And we, you are full of grace and truth, Jesus. And we, we want to drink that in. We want to put the cracker in our mouth and chew it up. And we want it to become part of us. We want our heart to be overfilled with your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.